0: In this episode, I talk with Dan Benjamin about watches and uh, mostly mechanical watches, which are the kind you got to wind yourself. And, uh, you know, I still find it super anachronistic that we do that given we have electronics and computers and stuff that could wind watches for us. But anyways, uh, we talk about a lot of visual things having to do with watches and I'll leave links in the show notes and uh, I'll uh, add images as well. So if you're using a podcast client that gives you a nice view of, Notes, flick over to that whenever you hear us talk about stuff. All right, here we go. Just so you don't think everyone's the same way, tomorrow I probably won't remember. I did a thing, you just need to make sure. You're okay, today with us is Dan Benjamin. Uh, welcome to Hobby Horse, Dan.
1: Hey, thanks, Matt. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs>
0: So, Dan Benjamin, (laughs) let me uh, try and write your bio in my head here. Um, All right. You are a podcaster extraordinaire. You must have at least four or five shows, if not much more. Um, You run a podcast network at 5x5.tv. And you run an excellent podcast hosting service, which, full disclosure, I use and Dan gave me a cool freebie account on uh, called Fireside FM. Uh, and does that sound about right?
1: Sounds great. Better than I could have done.
0: How many shows have, do you do these days? Right
1: now, these days, I scaled way back. It's actually, um, it's actually less than I have done since I first started five by five when, um, back in 2000, end of 2008. Mm hmm. Uh, So right back in the old days, I was recording at least two shows a day. (laughs) And because, well, and, and it, it sucked. I hated it. And not to say that the shows weren't, weren't fun or good, but it was way too much. I mean, it was way too much, but what I found was that it was easy for me to get like a certain number of listeners and I, and, and I could get that many listeners just by launching a show. I would just sort of get them because it was a five by five show. And so I, 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 but but getting over this hurdle of like how do i get to the next level of listeners how do i get you know 50,000 listeners or whatever the goal was at the time and that was very hard to do like it was easy to get 15,000 but how do you get 50 or whatever the numbers were and so i struggled with that and so i said well i'll just do more shows i'll just <laughs> that's that's how i can increase my uh, my salary is. I'll just keep doing shows, and so I was doing so many, and I scaled way, way, way back, and I stopped co-hosting a lot of shows where I felt like I wasn't really adding a lot, and uh, and so right now the main shows that I do, I do uh, Back to Work with uh, with our mutual friend Merlin Mann, mm-hmm. uh, road work with our mutual friend John Roderick, mm-hmm. I do Killing Time uh, with Hattie Cook as the co-host, oh, cool. I do occasionally. We'll do the podcast method. I haven't done one in quite a while. I have an interview show, w- w- which I haven't interviewed anyone in a while, and uh, and quit. I guess isn't completely canceled, but it's on a long hiatus. So there's still a handful, but w- the re- one of the other reasons I cut way back was to work on Fireside, and um, and I, you know, the bulk of building it happened over the last like two years. But last year, twenty seventeen. I was heads down on that so much of the time that podcasting went from being like my main thing that I was doing every day to this thing that I do like in between, like I fit it in in between lines of code somehow. So, uh, and it's kind of balanced out again this year, but yeah, uh, that's, that's been the big change for me. So I'm doing way less than I used to, but there was a time when I was doing like three a day. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs>
0: uh, that, yeah, that reminds me of, I think, um, John was giving you crap for, Uh, in an old episode of Roadwork that you were feeling overwhelmed or busy or something. And he was like, what are you doing? You just you only have like four or five shows. What else do you do? And you were like, I code all day. And he was like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, You know, completely glossing over that you've built this whole podcast engine. Um,
1: I don't think he's even aware of it. I think he he, he shows up, he records a show, and and he's out. (laughs) He does something else. He doesn't even... and And I'll tell you the funny thing about John... Half the time, no, not half the time, 90% of the time, he doesn't even hang up Skype. I'll just, I'll hear, I'll hear him throw his head. It sounds just like this. Hold oh, on, let me move the mic down. This is what I'll hear. You're like, all right, Dan, see you next week. And that's just the sound of the headphones hitting the, hitting the table. I'll hear him grab his keys, like, you know, and then he'll walk away. i are like, John. And I, the first time it happened, I thought it was a fluke. Uh, but he does it every time he's never once hung up that is if cool if i don't hang up it'll just, the line will be open <laughs> it's forever
0: that's cool as a cucumber man <laughs> yeah ah. i know so wait so you uh so i remember you in the uh, early blogging days were kind of like were you an early rails developer right in the early 2000s mid 2000s yeah I... yeah i
1: used to do back in the old hivelogic.com days i should look up when the first hivelogic post was um but i mean i started doing those gosh a billion 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 years ago and i used to write about really nerdy things like uh how to set up uh you know apache and mysql and php on your mac and like i wrote all these tutorials and so i'll still meet people today they're like i'll i set up my first you know lamp stack on my mac (laughs) because of you and yeah so that was that was my old thing and i just i enjoyed writing i enjoyed writing and i liked writing for for an audience and so that that was what the hive logic blog was for but i mean gosh i started that billion years ago dinosaur times
0: were you freelancing or working a day job back then both
1: both both both. i um i was i changed jobs a lot because i was never like i was never happy in a job we didn't have cool companies (laughs) back then like we have now And, um, and so I was always like trying to find something where I could do lots of different things instead of just like one thing every day all the time. And, uh, I thought I was, you know, I thought I found myself being bored very quickly at a job after just, you know, a year or two, I'd be like, oh, I gotta do something else. (laughs) So, consulting and freelancing kind of opened the door for me to get that exposure to doing lots of different things and, and getting good at a whole bunch of different things or getting decent. I should say good is, I don't know if I'm good at anything. I'm, I'm, I'm okay at a lot of things.
0: And then when you made the leap in 2008, was that full on into podcasting like full time?
1: Yeah, Um, up until then, it had just been a hobby. I started my first podcast in like 2006, and it was called Hive Logic Radio.
0: <laughs> and
1: uh, because I had I had wanted to do talk radio my whole life, that's what I wanted to do. And when I was in college, I was a communications major, a radio radio TV major, and I went and uh, and talked to some people who were doing radio at the time in uh, the town where I was going to school. And these were some people who had really, really big audiences at the top of their game. And, you know, with like syndicated shows and stuff. And I was talking to them kind of just like, Hey, you know, I want to get into this. I love it. I love talk radio. And they're like, is there anything else you can do? I said, why? And they're like, this is a horrible business. It's a horrible living. It's, it's, it really, and like multiple guys told me this. And I said, well, my answer was like, yeah, I can do computers. And and this is back when like knowing computers was a special thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're like, you know how to work a computer. You got to do that. You got to do that. That's the few plastics, plastics. And I said, all right, well, I'll, uh, I guess I'll do that. And I, I started focusing on that instead, but I never lost that desire to, to do talk radio. And so. Before podcasting came around, we used to have shoutcast radio stations, oh, remember right? That? Yeah, yeah. And so creepy. I like I would do one of those like nine p.m. on you know <laughs> Thursday nights, and I would like talk to nobody and, and then podcasting came out, and I said, well, this seems more legit, you know. Yeah. And I I started doing it in two thousand six. I would interview uh, people in my little sphere, like you know programmers, writers, and and designers, and that was kind of fun. And then Apple. Brought, uh, brought podcasting support to iTunes and all of a sudden you didn't have to like drag a file to your diamond Rio anymore. It was like a (laughs) thing. And, uh, and I jumped in I said, yeah, I'm going to, I'm really, I really like this. So I just had a few hobby shows at the time and then I started making a little bit of money from them. And I remember reading an article in, in 2008, it was an interview with Leo Laporte of Twit in, uh, I'm pretty sure it was in New York times but I don't remember for sure where it was, but it was a big publication. And he was talking about how at the time they were doing like a million five in revenue every year. And I was like, You've what gotta be kidding me. Wow. That's madness. And I thought, you know, I, I could do this. I could at least if he could do a million five,
0: yeah, like, if you were 10% I, as good, right. I could like
1: pay my mortgage with this, you know? And, and so I worked, um, I, I was I was CTO of a fancy San Francisco startup and I was really unhappy there. And I so I quit. I had a two-year-old child. And I quit and said, I'm gonna like do pod. And everybody thought I was crazy. They're like, what are you talking about? It's like, no, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be like podcasting full time. But I had a little bit of a backup plan. A friend of mine, uh Jeffrey Grozenbach, who is really well known and like was at the time in Rails development and went on to Uh, to start a company called peep code which Uh, was like at the forefront of screencasting Screencasting. yeah Yeah, that
0: guy was amazing
1: he is amazing and he basically i said listen i would love to work with you while i start building this thing up and i could do screencasting." and he'd be like that's great here and you know and so he kind of gave me part-time work as a cushion but within a couple months Um, the shows were making enough money that I was able to, to really just shift my focus and, um, and, and launch five by five. And I launched five by five because every time I would do a new show, I'd have to like make a website for it. And I said, this is, that's madness. what if this all lived in one place? So I started experimenting and looking at, you know, what could I do with WordPress? What could I do with Drupal? What could I do with the expression engine, which was kind of new at the time? And after spending so much time, like messing with these other systems, trying to make them do what I wanted. I said, you know what? This is dumb. I I wanted to avoid building my own system because that's what I did for a living. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to just use something else and I don't have to worry about it. But I I realized that it was, it would just be easier to just build my own thing because it would work exactly the way I wanted. And so that's what I did. And that became five by five and all the shows went there and the rest is history. (laughs) I
0: hope our gravestones all say. I should build a CMS for that. As oh our, god. Like, last words. But uh <laughs> like in the this was the days before Squarespace and Underwear right. ads like well, how did you those first you used to have like a web design interview show, right? Kind of. Yeah, yeah,
1: called? yeah. Um I well there was one called The Pipeline. That that um, was like the main one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that. that was And I think I interviewed you on that, didn't yeah, I? Yeah. Yeah. It must and definitely. uh you you were like that was like a big that was like a scoop for me because no, I'm serious. <laughs> like like that was like a ago. big, that was a get, nah, you know, I think that Zeldman was like a thing. Be
0: your big get back then.
1: Well, he was big too. He kind of paved the way I had worked with him in my freelance years. And, uh, and so like getting him to do a show, he didn't care. He's like, sure. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but he's such a big name that like, I so I went around. and I'd be like, oh, I've interviewed uh, Jeffrey Zeldman. Maybe you'd like to be on the show, also. You know, so that's that's the kind of person I interview, is Zeldman. So yeah, well, <laughs> what were the first ads?
0: Like I'm dying to... F-
1: Mailchimp man, Mailchimp it was all really? Mailchimp. Yes, we. I I I'm going to go on record and say I think, I think that we were the first shows that Mailchimp ever sponsored for a very 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 long time before the days of cereal when. Right. They, they, that exploded. But back in those days, basically the guy over at Mailchimp, um, Mark, super, super awesome guy. this is back when Mailchimp was much smaller too, 10 years ago. Uh, and, um, and he, I had, Oh my, I was so dumb. I started these shows up and on the shows I would say, Hey, you know, like we really love to get sponsors. So if you're interested in sponsoring, like email me and the email address was like sales at five by five dot TV or something. And, Like after a week or two, I was like, oh my God, like we're failing horribly. (laughs) I haven't gotten any contacts, not a single person wants to sponsor any of these shows. Did you
0: remember to set it up?
1: I set it up, but I never checked it. I never checked the account. I never added it to my mail app. So I added it. So I went in and added my mail app and there was like 50 emails. I was like, oh my God. It's like, oh my God, we're going to survive. It's going to, it's going to, it's happening. So um, MailChimp was one of them. And the guy there, Mark uh, was like, "I, I really like podcasting. I really think he was so just thinking back, he was so, so much of a visionary and so far ahead of the curve knowing that podcast ads would work, you know, or, or his hunch that really paid off for them. Um, and, uh, and so he, he, there were many months, very lean months where they were the only sponsor or they were the biggest sponsor and they were, uh, and, and I mean, this was back in these, the the golden age where he'd say here's some money just put us on some shows I I like I like Merlin so we'll sponsor that show and what they didn't care how many downloads you got they didn't care what the out the reach was they weren't looking at return on investment it was all about brand awareness for them they just wanted to get their name out there as much as they could in front of as many people as they could and um and so it's Mailchimp was the first one we had another newsletter company called Campaign Monitor. That was, that was pretty cool also. Um, and, uh, and so it was, you know, it was that kind of thing.
0: I could see it being like a long tail thing. Like a podcast is sort of forever. Whereas if you just yeah. buy a billboard in three weeks, that money's just up in smoke.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, where like episode two with me and you talking is going to be there 10 years later. You know, there's still a pitch for probably MailChimp in that one.
1: Yeah, there probably is. I'm looking now to see which one we did together there. You were episode number nine recorded July 1st 2015 that's not what? right that, uh, that's, that, uh, that's probably that's that's when your I,
0: CMS migration That's
1: when I relaunched the show and I only published the original air date was March 9th 2010 Matthew Howie is a programmer, web designer and blogger. He's the founder of Metafilter, the PVR blog and Fuelly and is the oh, publisher wow. of the long-running web blog A whole lot of nothing.
0: Nice. So uh Thirty-six minutes. Well, let's fast forward to um, Fireside real quick. Um, I assume you built uh, you built it as a con- consumer product, you know, based on what you'd built for yourself. But uh, have you like transitioned all your stuff to it? Like, are you a user alongside everybody else, or
1: oh, al- almost, almost. Um, I did build it because when I had, I wrote five by five. You know, for myself to use, but over the years of using it, I got so much great feedback from all the other podcasters who have shows on five by five who'd be like, well, this sucks. Could you make it work like this? Or here's an idea you could add. And so I just kind of kept a tally of those as I was doing it. And, uh, and so I, I would get requests frequently from people who would say, you know, it would be really great if I could use something like this. And I, you know, I waited a long time and I, like I said, I was super busy recording tons and tons of shows And I, one day it just kind of occurred to me to look around at what, what people were using, what kind of tools were people using to publish their, their shows, you know? Oh God, they're
0: the worst. (laughs) I I
1: hate, I mean, like, of course I'm going to think the thing I built is the best, but I didn't like what else was out there at all. And I thought, okay, I, I've learned a lot and I'm going to build my dream podcasting platform and I feel like I have a big enough audience that if I if it's really good that other people will, would want to use it. And it took me a long time to build. I built it on my own. I didn't kickstart it. I didn't raise money. I took a huge financial loss over the year and a half or two that it took me to build it because instead of doing shows, I was writing code and making no money. Uh, so it was a huge risk and it was a huge uh, loss financially for me to do it, but it's paid off because, you know, we're, we're doing pretty well, but it, you know, the one feature that I'm still working on, like literally working on, on a right, you know, that's not totally done yet is the, is the network feature, something that would support the concept of having a podcast network on fireside. And so once that's done, and I, then I'll be able to transition all the five-by-five five stuff over to Fireside. No one will know. It will just happen behind the scenes. Uh, but almost. I'm almost there.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, the last two podcasts I've done, well, let me think, three different podcasts. There's a lot of, like, Libsyn was an early cheap host where you pay right. them 10 bucks, And they're just basically a, a dumping ground for uh, MP3 files. And they spit right. out RSS. And then you do trickery to, you know, put it over on your site. Right. but. And then I transitioned to uh, just Amazon Web Services, just dumping things in an S3 bucket that talked to right. an RSS producer. And I've also we've also done stuff with like SoundCloud as a back end and then these other like weird monetized like ad engine kind of um, <laughs> right, posts. I right. can't even remember the host, but they just like they give you gobs and gobs of analytics on every file that's touched on their system. But overall, it's a nightmare. Uh, you know, you do. You record a one hour interview, you do, you know, eight to 12 hours of editing. And then, you know, it's just after that, it's a mess where you're like, um, hand editing fields in, uh, you know, iTunes is get info, you know, yeah. and then, yeah. then you're sending your file somewhere and then you got to do prep. I mean, it used to take me an hour or so to, to publish an episode of a podcast because there was 15 <laughs> minutes of this, 15 minutes of that, <laughs> right. update exactly. that, and like. I swear to God Fireside is just once I'm done editing and I have an MP three it's like I upload it, I just fill in some forms. you know, I spend the most time making good notes because you have good tools for it, but like it is a five minute affair for publishing That's like if I just awesome have to, to get hear it. it. I and I love that, that you like chop up the MP3 file, you do things, you can do chapters and images and all sorts of stuff, but like not having to do that stuff by hand is like remarkable. like the publishing is so much faster.
1: Well, that's awesome. That's the whole goal because it, it, you know, I always felt like the hard part of podcasting wasn't recording it. It was everything else that you just, just like what you just yeah. said that you have to do after. But I'll tell you, that's not the way it should be. The recording should be the hard part, you know, coming up with good content should be the challenging part and the rest should just, just work. So
0: yeah, it's thank you for easier. saying that. So, uh, enough about podcasting. We're here today to talk about, I've been dying to talk to you corner you to talk about um watches especially yeah. mechanical watches and uh so i have like a circle of friends and two or three of them are like way into watches i've seen what their instagram looks like like every other thing they follow on instagram is some watch guy um they do these show-off posts with like my wrist over the steering right. wheel of a <laughs> right. bentley and yeah I'm eating a Niçoise salad in tuscany <laughs> like this is a fucking thing um, yeah
1: exactly
0: But I mean, there's a, uh, you know, I'm an outsider looking in. Uh, Some of this is like, um, explain to me, I guess. Yeah. Let's start with like, explain to me, like, when did you fall in love with watches and what do you love about them?
1: Oh, I do love watches. Um, I, I remember vividly my first watch and it was a, it was a digital watch and it was an LED, I did not say LCD, LED watch. And it had, for, for those of you who were born too recently and don't know what original LEDs were, they were, uh, the, it was red and you would it, you would have to hold down the side button to make the light light up. And so it was just a black screen with nothing else on it. And you would hold down the button and it would show the time. And I was on the playground having this thing. I don't remember exactly how old I was. I mean, if I had to guess it's single digit age, six, seven years old, eight years old. And this was a very, very modern kind of cool watch. I don't know how I inherited it or what it was, uh, but it was by Pulsar. And I'm actually just found a picture of it. I'll send it to you if you want to do such a thing as look at this strange yeah i was old watch. just
0: going to say are, are you talking about these things from the 70s they're like silver and they had like the red digits yeah yeah that's have, it
1: that's it exactly because you
0: want to save the battery you had to tap a button to get the time
1: right right and <laughs> uh so and funny
0: s- an apple watch works the same way today. i know
1: i know God and that's the it. thing i like least about the apple watch we'll get to right. that yeah But uh, so that was my first watch, but very. I I just thought watches were super cool, and regardless of what kind of watch it was—digital, LED, mechanical, or otherwise—they just the idea that I had this little thing on my wrist that was either a machine or a computer. I guess a computer is a machine, but it that that and it, it that just blew me away that like the little. Because I, you know, I busted a watch open before and I knew there were little gears and other springs and things inside of it. And just the idea that we had this thing on our wrist that was a machine that was working, that was thinking, that was tracking something that we could, we can't track.
0: Did it help you bring order to your life? Like, like, were you addicted to watches as like giving you some control as a kid?
1: Probably. I never really thought about it like that, but I think there's some There's some truth to that, Mr. Uh, Psychoanalysis. uh,
0: I was thinking of my own, like somewhere around age eight or something, I got some crappy little, you know, Timex Seiko, you know, digital watch, probably an LCD watch. And I wore a watch basically every day till iPhones came out. Um, Right. But I remember being a little kid and being like, Oh my, you know, the, the weird system adults have for measurement and, and, and like, you know, they all, they have all the answers. Right. And I'm just a dumb kid. Right. This is is the first time I ever felt like, Hey, but you had some answers. I I know when to go to sleep. I know when to wake up. I know when lunch is happening. Like, I can't just sit around and be like, why am I hungry? I can go, Oh yeah, I should have eaten two hours ago. Uh, I remember, I remember being like, when I think back, I think distinctly, it was like, it gave me some like control, I guess, as a little kid. I
1: totally can go along with that. Yeah. Because you look, at it answers the question of why, (laughs) you know, why am I hungry? Oh, it's lunchtime. Why is it dark out? Oh, it's seven 30 at night. You know, my
0: parents yelling at me because I'm an hour (laughs) late.
1: That's right. And, uh, and so it answers that question. I I guess that's, that's an important truth. I'd never really thought about before, but it does. And I, I, my granddad, had some really great watches over many, many years. He was an Omega guy. And, uh, and so he had a, a, you know, a couple nice watches. He had a Cartier, he had an Omega, he had a couple others, but he also just had, um, he had a lot of Seiko's as well. And he had a lot of, when, when Casio kind of started coming out with their, uh, for lack of a better term, their fancy line where they would be silver instead of just black, you know, uh, black plastic or black rubber, they would be silver. He had a lot of those, too. And they, they could do really cool things like one had a, a calculator built into it. And so I had to get one of those. And, but my love affair with what I would call true mechanical watches began with a Bulova that I had gotten as a gift from my grandfather. And it was it was small Back in those days, a 36 millimeter watch was considered to be large. By today's standards, it would be considered to be small. And I believe that this Bulova is even smaller than that. Um, I've since given it to my son. He hasn't really worn it that much, but it's a wonderful mechanical self-winding watch. And I remember my grandfather had a watch on and I was looking at it and I, I was saying, you know, Um, do do you wind it? And he says, this watch, you know, you don't have to wind. What do you mean? And he said, no, you just, you just wear it. And that winds it. And I was like, that can't be, there is no, there is no such thing as perpetual motion. You can't do that. You know, it's not possible how, and he, he showed me that there is a little weight inside of it and that every time you move your wrist or arm even slightly, that, Um, that little weight essentially spins around on the inside of the watch and that winds always. And regardless of which way it moves, it's winding a spring and the spring is what powers the watch. And the spring is the essentially the battery. If you will, it stores the kinetic energy that the watch uses to make itself tick. I was like, Oh my gosh. Now he was a, he was a brilliant man. He was a metallurgist. He was a scientist. And, uh, and those kinds of things were fascinating to him as well. And, I just was like, oh, I-, I-, I want one of those. And he said, well, I, you know, I may have one. And so he gave me this little bull of a, and it was some old watch that he'd had for decades sitting in a drawer and he brought it out and uh, shook it a few times and it started ticking. And I was like, what? Whoa. So he gave me that and I wore that through high school and into college. And uh, until, until I felt like it was just a bit of a, too small of a watch for me. And guess what? I did the same thing you did. I always wore a watch until I, around the time when I got an iPhone and it's funny to me that Apple is responsible for killing the reason why a lot of people wore watches. And now they're the reason why people are wearing watches again.
0: Yeah. That's remarkable. When did you, uh, I have a feeling you have some mechanical watches and windy watches and you probably have special cases that wind them and all that crap I've seen other people have, but um, that was always a bridge too far for me. Right. Like, a, like, a, my dad had once offered me some classic watch from the sixties or something. And it was just like, you know, it runs for a week or two and then you got to do this thing or else it's going to be late. And it might just be off. It drifts. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go with the, the, you know, the Casio, 20, right. $20 digital watch. that's right. Always pretty much plus or minus one minute a year. I'm good. Like I, I could never handle the mechanical. And now I know friends that fetishize that, you know, they have these, uh, you know, gosh, they have these like watch Kate, like jewelry boxes that do some sort of winding thing. On yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What you're talking about is called a watch winder. And, um, the, there, there is fear as you can imagine with your MetaFilter experience, there are very passionate people on both sides of this issue of whether or not you should use a watch winder or not. But basically, like I was describing, there's that little, um,
0: what's the alternative winding with your hand versus using a machine,
1: wind it yourself. Now the reason like they organic have these,
0: watch. Winding. yes,
1: that's right. Well, here's the thinking is that if you set your watch and this is especially important with like watches that have perpetual dates and things like that, like most watches just go through the thir- 31 days. Well, if your month happens to have less than 31 days, you've got to reset that date. There are other ones that actually have more detailed that actually have calendar functions. They know the day of the week and beyond that, they might even know they know leap years. They know all of this stuff. Well, those are a bit more of a pain to to deal with. But a lot of people, especially if you have a handful of watches and you're like a rich dude, then you can't you see your time is too valuable to wind your watch. You can't be bothered to like set your own watch like a animal. So uh, you you just put it into this watch winder and then once a day for a few minutes a day, the there's a it, it will sort of spin your watch around the way that it would if it was on your wrist just faster and and for a few minutes and that will keep the watch wound and never let it it will never stop. its little internal spring will never unspring itself and unwind and you'll never have a watch that doesn't have the accurate current time going on it. I, the, there's the debate though, is people who would say, listen, if I'm not wearing the watch, then it's okay. Let it stop because technically it's getting less wear. It's wearing down less. It will last longer between services. Cause you got to get your mechanical watches oh, serviced. Yeah. So it will last longer. And the whole watch as a whole will wear down less. Cause there are gears, there are metal, there are surfaces that wear down over time. And so if I'm not wearing the watch, why does it need to be running? That's just wearing down the watch. Something that should last a hundred years now is only going to last 75 years. So I or whatever. I or the hundreds that. of years. So that's that's the other side of it. I don't have a watch winder, mainly because they're they're kind of expensive. And I don't I don't mind that little ritual of picking the watch. I do have a a, a nice case for the watches. Um but I don't mind that ritual of deciding, well, which, which watch do I to wear today. What, what what am I feeling like today? Who's calling, who's calling my name this morning and then taking it out and, and <laughs> setting it if I need to and setting the date. That's fun. And it, it's a little bit of time for introspection and to appreciate this amazing piece of um, engineering that, that you get to wear on your wrist. It's kind of mind boggling how much goes into making one of these. And especially when you get into the nicer, uh, level of watches now we, when we when i i gotta get i gotta get straight with you on something mm-hmm. and that is when i'm talking about a mechanical watch i'm talking about what they call an automatic watch not a quartz watch
0: <laughs> please an, explain
1: an automatic watch is the kind that we've been talking about mainly which is they're they're self-winding for the most part not all of them are self-winding there's some that that you just wind and that don't don't Uh, self wind. But in general, these are mechanical watches that have a a spring, a main spring inside of them. The spring gets uh, tightened down under tension. And as it unravels itself, that powers the gears that keep the time inside the watch. So those are the kinds that I like. And those are the ones that you'll find are, are, are interesting and respected by people who would consider themselves to be watch geeks
0: now quartz is like some sort of magical infinity stone that like
1: that's exactly right
0: <laughs> keeps time going off the magical rock power
1: yes there okay. there is a um if you have a digital watch, if you have a computer, if you have uh what's just called a quartz watch in general they somewhere some scientist figured out that Instead of having all of these gears and, like you were saying, like they can lose a little bit of time, you know, because that, like COSC specification says, you can be like plus or minus four seconds in a day. I think, or is it a week? Is it a day? Something like that. But basically, <clears throat> there are these guidelines. But most mechanical watches, even the fairly accurate ones, can gain or lose a few seconds in a day. And for, you know, for a lot of a lot of people, like me, that that's fine. I don't care. But, you know, there there are people who think. That's unacceptable. That's crazy. Why would you do that? Well, quartz addresses this issue because they found out that it by sending an electrical signal through a tiny little piece of quartz mineral rock um, that uh, that if they do this, it vibrates at a certain frequency and that can be used to keep perfect time. That's as much of the science as I understand. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure I'm getting it a little bit wrong, but that's the basics of it. And so. It keeps time. And so anytime you see a clock or a watch that ticks once per second, that is a quartz watch.
0: Oh, because checking against the time.
1: Huh? Right. And so. And that's if,
0: like 60s ish when those were kind of widespread and newish. Or yeah.
1: I need to look up um, when that was actually invented. Um because well, I was thinking
0: when it got popular, I feel like sixties and seventies yeah. feels like Japanese watch time. And eighties yeah, feels like digital watch time to me, right?
1: Definitely. Now keep in mind that a digital watch is a quartz watch, also. They yeah. they use the quartz um crystal to 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 keep time and track time as well. But what happened was there was this quartz revolution that came out, and they thought that it was going to completely destroy. And this this kind of really was happening in like like you're saying, like late 70s, yeah. early 80s, because in the 80s, like quartz had taken over everything. There was no more of like, oh, you got to like wind your clock and set it. Are you crazy? No, you just put a battery in here and uh, the battery will send a little electric s- signal through this quartz and you'll keep perfect time. You won't need to set your watch ever again just when you change the battery every you know year or two or whenever you need to do it. And so the Swiss world, which is for those who don't know the Swiss are the ones who make the 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 best automatic watches and mechanical watches uh they were really worried that the quartz was going to just blow them away but eventually things swung back the other way and uh and and at least until the apple watch
0: wow the seiko first quartz watch debuted in 1969 right Mm. on christmas so practically the 70s huh i thought it was so much older You're thinking
1: of the Astron, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a cool watch. Uh, So, you know, but Seiko got into the, into, they were, they're really the biggest player in non Swiss automatic watches and and mechanical watches. And there's, you know, like don't, if you're sitting there watching your watch tick once per second. You know that does mean that you've got a quartz watch. There's something wrong with that. But like nerds like me, uh, we only want the automatic.
0: So every Rolex that's sweeping around smoothly yes. is not quartz based. Co- like correct. If you Rolex see a Rolex goes off in time, it's spring. Absolutely.
1: Based? Yes. Less than <clears throat> less than most others, but they they usually. I thought this was
0: the Rolls Royce on your wrist. I thought it, it was it, perfect. It is.
1: It is. It is. It is. And it's relatively perfect. There are watches I'm sure that keep better time. Rolex is pretty good. And of the all the All the mechanical automatic watches that I have, um, they uh, they keep the best time of all of them. But you know, you you can gain or lose a second. Now it's possible to take your watch in to get serviced, and they can um, they can uh, like put it on a, a meter and then adjust it so that it's perfect. You can get you can get perfect with it, but over over time it may start to gain or lose a little bit of time here and there. But that's all right. I'm okay with that because. That's, that's just the way it is. But there are watches that are even more perfect than that. I think you just, you pay a lot more for them. But if what you're really looking for is like perfect, perfect timekeeping, Good yeah, Quartz, quartz is, quartz is going to be the way to go. And a they're much, much swatch. cheaper. Yeah, exactly. But I love the idea that I have this thing on my wrist the that, will, that will keep time Mostly. perfectly or relatively perfectly my whole life. I can give it to my son or daughter. They can wear it their whole life and give it to their kids who can wear it their whole life and on and on and on. Nobody's going to do that with a plastic quartz watch. I promise you. That's true. And the fact that I can uh, listen, I don't want to get stranded on an Island map, but if I did, <laughs> I could still keep time. Our I could still keep time. Yeah, yeah. And I, my, meanwhile, my watch, I can dive with it while I'm trying to catch fish. <laughs> I, and I'm going to always know what time it is. It'll never run down, never wear out. <laughs>
0: and the uh wow you know it just dawned on me we'll never see movies again where everyone says ready to do a big heist let's all synchronize our watches that just doesn't happen anymore yeah is, i know everything is just uh what geostationary satellites
1: that's right and i i do have i do have a couple casio watches i'm not you know when it comes to quartz i don't like a quartz mechanical watch but Quartz powers, you know, the the Casio watches that I have. I've got a couple G-Shocks that I wear um if I'm
0: playing racquetball in 1983. <laughs> no, they're not that
1: old. They're not that old. But I but I I like them and they have a great purpose and they're really really rugged and I don't need to worry about them getting uh, you know, getting whacked or banged or hurt in any way I can swim with them, which yes, you could swim with your, my dive watches too. And I have, but I'm saying like, you don't, I don't have to worry about them. I don't have to care about them. I'll wear them to the gym. I'll wear them wherever. And, uh, and, and they serve that purpose excellently. They just do it really, really well. And in fact, the one that I have is, is super cool because it has atomic time built in. So it automatically sets itself to the atomic clock. Uh, once a day or twice a day and keeps perfect time and it's solar powered. Oh, so, wow. uh, it, it, and it keeps its charge for like six to 10 months on one charge wow. and it, the battery, the rechargeable battery lasts over 10 years. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool.
0: So this is not an intervention, but how many watches do you, would you say you own in the neighborhood of, cause mm. I, I assume you can't get it plus or minus five, I guess. Um,
1: I used to have more. I got really into vintage Seiko watches for a while, and a friend of mine who I do a show, a podcast with, called Unwound. Um, he is a watchsmith and he fixes watches and restores them, and he like scours eBay Japan to find like the most amazing vintage Seiko watches, and then he'll get them and he'll restore them to their original splendor and uh, from the '60s and '70s and. I got real, that's how I met him is a friend of mine introduced me to him and, uh, and I bought a couple watches and we just sort of hit it off and became friends. But I really, truly love that era of watches, late sixties, early seventies for the Seiko time period. So I had a whole bunch of those and I, and the ones that I wasn't really wearing very much, I would sell. And I made a lot of money because there's like a huge like market around these, especially the restored ones. And and things like that. So the um, the the watches that I had then, I, I just acquired a whole bunch of them. But then I sold I sold them. So now more than 10. Right. Um, But but
0: less than 20.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, between 10 and 15. I would, and have to would like you say your
0: peak them. is like 30, 40, maybe. Someday?
1: Oh, I don't think I had that many. I definitely okay. had, I definitely had upwards of 20. Um, but I mean, keep in mind some of these watches cost, you know, fifty dollars. Yeah. Some of them cost a few hundred dollars. But I made I made uh, more than I spent when I sold the the Seikos, so that was a good thing.
0: Oh, that's what I want to transition into. Everyone I know who is into watches is kind of on this um, constant upgrade. Well, I wouldn't call it an upgrade train. They're 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 just low level always. Buying and selling watches, and it seems like I don't know. Like it seems like a game. Like like a. uh, Why is it? Yeah, I have three different sets of friends way into watches. uh, You know, maybe got into them in the last five or ten years. Yeah, where they had one, then they had two, then they had three, then they had ten, and Mm -hmm. then they were scouring Craigslist listings for estate sales, and suddenly they're buying and selling. And it seems like everyone. This is three. um, If you own a Rolex, you'd be the third that. You know, they start small and then it just eventually ramps up and then they have like one good two to $5,000 watch, you know, they got a good deal on. Right. And I would, I would assume this is what I would do if I had uh, unlimited land and time and money with cars, I would be, you know, freaking Jay Leno with, I'd eventually, you know, be restoring 1935 Bentleys or something. Oh, nice. It seems like, is, is that, I mean, what is, why is everyone on that treadmill where they're I mean, is it like you gain a little knowledge, you have a little more knowledge than others, so you can kind of sell things that are in higher demand, or do you hold things like all of
1: that? Everything, everything you said is true, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everything that you said is accurate. Um, and, and there are so many different reasons as to why you might, you know, get a different kind of watch. But I think for a lot of people, you know, when you think about it, uh, a watch is one of the very, very few things, especially for men mainly that we can do to sort of accessorize, you know, if, if you think about the options that women have for accessorization, uh, gotcha. or ways to set themselves apart, they've got, you know, rings, bracelets, necklaces, earrings, mm-hmm. uh, so many different things that they have. And for men, you know, like we've got like jeans and a shirt, and so, uh, like, what? One what
0: boring ring. Yeah,
1: and one, one boring wedding ring, yeah. and that's it. And like, you really there's not, a, or you go into like rocker biker world where you've got like fifty rings with skulls on them, and but like, what can we really do to to create something interesting for us uh, in in our in our world? So in that, watches are definitely considered, especially the more expensive mechanical watches. Uh, automatic watches are considered to be jewelry in a way, but it's a way for you to sort of have fun with something, distinguish yourself with something, set yourself apart in in a, in an interesting way. And I'll tell you what: when you have a nice watch, uh, people who care about and notice such things will immediately notice it. And now you can make you can make friends. It's like showing up <laughs> with a little dog in a dog park. Like now you've got friends. Uh, but I think the biggest reason. Is not, not only do people kind of want variety and maybe get a little bit bored by something, but it's almost like that first step into getting a nice watch. I think my, my first, as an adult, my first quote unquote, nice automatic watch was a Seiko. Uh, I think it was like an SPX 009 or 007, which is a, um, Just a a you know like three hundred dollar two hundred and fifty dollar dive watch. It's one of Seiko's most popular watches. The movement is nothing special. It keeps decent time, Um, and it's you know it's a relatively straightforward, cool looking watch. And at the time I got it, I was like, oh my god, like I just spent three hundred dollars on a watch. That's crazy. But then after you're like in that world for a while, like if I told you that the brand new Apple phone that just came out is close to a thousand dollars. You'd be like, yeah, that's how much a phone costs. Right. But yeah. if I told you 15 years ago that one day you'd be spending a thousand dollars on a phone every year or two, you'd be like, yeah, whatever, Dan, Um, you know? And so I think it's almost, there's that aspect of it too, where you're like, yeah, well, like I did spend 1200 on the last one. I could, <laughs> I could spend 2,500 on the new one. I mean, so, but I also think it's an opportunity for people who like to collect things, you know, people who like to get something and it's, you know, and, and like, yeah, that's it. That's the watch. Uh, and that's got the Jubilee bracelet on it too. Yep. That's the right one. Uh, so, and by the way, changing the, uh, resizing that bracelet is a nightmare. Yeah.
0: Look at all those little a chains.
1: Nightmare. Nightmare. You see that if you look close up. Do you know up how to that, do it
0: yourself, or do you always oh yeah. go to a jeweler? Oh yeah, no, I've done it
1: many. I've done it many times. Oh if gosh. you look at and see that's another thing you get to get over the fear of of resizing your own bracelets. So if you look, if you look at this photo that you sent me, and you look at the bottom part of the bracelet, do you see those little arrows? If you look close up on the right hand yeah, side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So those arrows indicate which direction these little pins. Uh, are to go in and so what you do is you you've got to have the right tools for this so there's a Yank little it. there's a little base thing that you put it on and you put the watch on it sideways and then there's a special hammer and a special little tool that has a pin and you press the pin and then you you hammer that little tool with the pin going into that little hole in the direction of the arrow and that releases this little like cotter pinned kind of thing inside of it and then you have to remove the bra it's it is a nightmare to do it. Don't This do is it.
0: why I'm always paying whatever 20, 30 bucks for the yeah. jeweler to do it while he talks yeah. to me. Yeah.
1: But I mean huh. I love I love these watches. We just love collecting them and there's some new watch'll come out or you'll you'll like the watch that you like Now is not the same watch you liked five years ago or 10 years ago. And so what do you do? Well, these watches keep their value. And in some cases, if they're limited production runs or if they if there's something significant about them, they can you can get a lot more money than you paid. And sometimes they lose value, too. But uh, they they generally do tend to hold a lot of their value. So you might get a watch and keep it and take good care of it for a few years. And when you need to get money or you want to get a new watch or something you can just go to like there's a website called watch you seek which is the worst (sighs) name in in the whole world watch Watch the letter you you (gasps) seek.com it's horrible it's embarrassing i don't but (laughs) this is like the place to go to find watches and sell them and trade them and yeah so you can go there and spend too much time there and and then you know oh well i really want this you know Uh, such and such Omega, but I don't want to spend that much new. So is there one over here? And yeah, you can do it. And you know, I know, I know, I've bought many watches from there. I've sold many on there. And, and it's a great So this way is
0: like a sneaker resale shop yes, you know, I might use. Yes, exactly. Where's like the auction? Do they have auctions or listings or something? I they see blogs.
1: Don't, yeah, they don't do auctions. If you go to Watch You Seek and then go to the forums.
0: Oh, OK. That's
1: uh It all happen. happens in, in the forums, see? And then you and you also, in order oh, to sell. Oh, my
0: God. Yes. 19, uh, 2004 <laughs> PHP forums.
1: Oh, welcome to, to my nightmare. If you want to sell a watch on Watch You Seek, you have to have made at least 100 posts, though. So you have to sort oh of prove that you're in the community. Wow. Uh, and, and, and then you can, you can post your watch for sale wow. and people will buy it. I still, I've had watches that I sold and I've had people, I still, like two days ago, I got an email about a watch I put up for sale three years ago. You don't still have it, do you? Is it still there? I can't find one. Uh, But it's, there's excitement of like, how do I find, like, I want like a 1969 uh, Seiko Pogue with a yellow dial. Where am I going to find it? And then you're like, go on a quest to find it. And you're looking at all the four and you finally find it. Like, was this a fake? Was the dial replaced? Is it all original? What about the? what about the bracelet is to have the bracelet. It doesn't, what kind of strap would I get? There's a lot, a lot to it, but I just, I love the idea that we have these little miracle machines that, that are so amazing that could last forever on our wrist. Now today I'm not wearing a mechanical watch at all. I'm wearing a Fitbit charge three, which I just got a couple days ago because Merlin said I should get it. And so that we uh, could, we could talk about it on the show. And um, you know, I, I, I work out, I go to the gym uh, a few times a week and I was really curious to see if this is something that I would like to wear to the gym instead of my G shock watch. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on it, um, until I've had it for a bit more, but I can say it's very lightweight, it's very comfortable and it did its job in the gym. So, um, We'll see. I'm not a big into tracking this kind of stuff, but if I like it, um, it won't be my soul watch. I will wear it on. I'll wear two. I'll wear it on my right arm and I'll wear my mechanical watch on my left.
0: Well, it's supposed um, to be passively tracking, right? Yeah. You're not supposed to ever have to worry about it. Huh? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I mean, this makes sense. So like, this feels like any other enthusiast community, right? Where you get into something, um, you, you get over the price shock really quickly, right? Like I'm in, bike and shoe communities where how
1: much is one of these bikes that you get these fancy uh, fancy pants I bikes?
0: mean you're gonna want to be starting at like two to three grand worth of parts but right. you know at the upper end they are always around 10 grand or like, so like what's your
1: dream bike like if if you could if you or do you, maybe you already have it but like what what would be like your dream bike that you wish you had
0: I have a pretty great bike you know and it uh, you know, there are upgrades I could do to it. Like I could change the electronic shifting instead of mechanical. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would probably bring the price up, but it's probably, you know, it's like, let me see, like three, four grand is probably about mm-hmm. as much as I spent on it so far. Um, there are $10,000, you know, kind of perfect bikes. These like hand laid carbon frames and a go anywhere bike, you know, with like a really expensive electronic group that shifts perfectly every time. Cause it's all digital and electronic. Right. right. But uh, yeah, I mean, you just get used to, you just get used to new prices. You do, I buy and sell and flip them all the time. I, I think I'm down to five bikes, but I used to have like upwards of nine or 10 bikes. Uh, wow. How
1: how long does a bike last? How long does it last?
0: I mean, it could last forever, but I mean, you could still ride, you know, 80s bikes, but um, uh, there's a lot of trends that ebb and flow and there's a lot of change in the industry year to year. So mm-hmm. people are... It, you know, it's a treadmill and people are encouraged to always have the latest thing because... Right. New
1: technology comes out.
0: Yeah. And, like, something from five years ago looks a little strange. Something from ten years ago looks laughable. Like, that's what we thought we would do with bike <laughs> suspension or, like, we cannot... <laughs> Um, there's, there's YouTube videos of people just riding a 10 year old bike, like a pro, you know, best in the world guy going, I cannot believe we used to ride these things. Um, so, like, so how there-
1: many speed, how many speeds does a bike have now? Like the kind that you're doing?
0: Uh, I mean, they, the funny part is they've kind of gone down to, to simplicity's sake. Like, mm-hmm. so you can get down to 12 where there's, uh, basically no gears on the front. Uh, chain ring there's just one chain ring in the front so you have less parts to break right and you have like 12 clusters in the back whereas in the old days you know the most you get was five or six clusters in the back so they would put multiple rings in the front so things are things are you know either 22 or like 12 you know they're they're kind of decreasing
1: see because i remember in in like the holy grail of a bike to get when i was a kid was like oh man like i'm really i really want a 10 speed
0: Yeah, right. And
1: that was what it was called. It was called a 10 speed.
0: Yeah, it was a two by five. So five in the back, two in the front. Right, Uh, right, right. Sometimes there are triples and then people would get up to 10 gears in the back with a triple in the front and you got 30 gears for like a touring bike. But um, it's a mess and people are kind of returning to simplicity. So I like
1: that. I mean, I went, I, I remember when I upgraded from my BMX to, you know, with pegs and everything to, uh, to my first. Uh, 10 speed and it was this black bike. It probably was $99 <laughs> and it was the best thing in the world. Like I could get to my, I w- could get to my job so much faster and like the going up the hill wasn't as hard and, and I could just shift into a gear that made sense. And eventually at college time, I got a Nishiki. Are they still around?
0: Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, but they're, they're highly coveted and traded from people who used to have one in college that yeah, I had
1: to one. one. It again. was, it was great. And, um, you know, but like, I totally understand the interest in, in, in collecting those kinds of things. And that's what it really comes down to with the watches too. Just like you're saying, and, and yeah, prices on watches, you can, you know, if, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, I want to see what Dan's talking about. I want to get a an automatic watch. The Swiss watches are more expensive And uh, certainly when you get into the more expensive ones, you mentioned Rolex, you know, there's Patek, Rolex, um, Omega, there's all these great Swiss brands that have been around forever. Um, You know, Rolex is the one that most people know about. And I was very anti-Rolex for a while, even though I secretly really wanted one. Um,
0: (laughs) They are, they are like... Um, at the very bottom, you know, a couple grand, at the top, like ten to twenty, is normal for a very high-end, nice, new one, right?
1: Yeah, well, you could spend much more than that. Right, like, right, right. Uh, but something um, you'd
0: see in a jewelry store, like for mere mortals, is still ten grand. You know? Yeah. Like the for- most,
1: the most popular um, Rolex that that most people know is the Rolex Submariner, and the Rolex Submariner. It's it was the Watch that Sean Connery's James Bond wore. since since then, the James Bond has switched to Omega watches. Nine thousand
0: dollars.
1: Yeah, you can get it anywhere from seven to to nine or ten thousand, depending on the variations that you get, what kind of bracelet, what kind of bezel there's lots of different things that you can you can do and they they make some that are like limited editions there's one that's green that people call the Hulk I mean there's so many different versions of it oh, but right. when yeah. when people think of a Rolex they're usually thinking of the Rolex sub and it is an amazing watch it has a wonderful history um you know um Robert Redford wore one in um, many of his movies um you know it's like it's like the coolest watch around so eventually if you get into this space you may be like screw that i'm never getting one of those it's too expensive eventually you will you will want one and you'll get (laughs)
0: everyone everyone always wants one
1: yeah and that's the funny thing about it but like you can also get a really cheap house or a really cheap desk or a really cheap car and you're gonna get out of it what what you put into it initially you know it's um it's one of those things where if all you want to do is tell time, you can you can get a watch that will tell the time, uh, very 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 cheaply, and it will last a long time too. But if you want something that, you know, a lot of people will, especially in the world of Rolex, but in watches in general, they'll get a watch to mark a significant occasion in their life. For example, graduating high school, graduating college, um, you know your your wedding your 10th or 50th anniversary, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and so, you know, having a watch that, you know, I know, I know a friend who got, um, a watch for himself to commemorate like his daughter's birth. So for him, that watch is like, every time he wears it, he associates it with, that's when my daughter was born.
0: Oh,
1: wow. Um, I know a lot of people who will get their spouse and their spouse will get them an expensive watch on a significant birthday or a significant anniversary or something like that or we went on a trip and we were in we went to Switzerland and we <laughs> bought you know a watch while we were there you know that i i know a guy who's super super into very high end watches he's got a lot of money to play with and he actually there was some specific Rolex that he wanted i'm not sure which it was it might have been a sea dweller but like they weren't they're not available in the united states so he like booked a trip to Switzerland wow! so that he could buy it there and uh, and got it there, you know. So like there's there's a whole world of of this. And then, you know, you run into someone at the airport and you notice that they're wearing a cool watch. You, now you have a new friend. You can talk about it and uh, and hang out with them. And but I, I, you know, I, I definitely it's it's a problem that's under control for me now because I finally got a couple of the watches that I really, really had wanted. Um, and you know, like for me, there are milestones when I would decide to get one, I wouldn't just arbitrarily say, "Going to the store. I'm going to go buy one, or I've been saving up money and I've got enough. It was like, you know, like after I had launched, like an example would be like after I'd launched fireside, uh, and after we had gotten a certain number of customers and we're doing a certain amount of revenue my reward for like two years of horrifically insane work and incredible schedule was you know like and and i mean like i hadn't taken any i hadn't paid myself a cent from from fireside after two years and i was like okay like now it's time like i'm gonna go get this one watch that i really 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 want and what watch um, was that uh, I was a Rolex there.
0: <laughs>
1: so um that's used what I used
0: off some guy or it
1: could it new? could it could have been used but you can <laughs> save you can save a lot of money when you do get them used from people. Um you know and and people like me we take really 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 good care of the watches. You could look at the watches that I bought and um and you would have no idea that it wasn't brand new. So mm-hmm. that's another thing is like I always feel like, oh, used, like used off the internet or something like that's like, that's going to be, it's going to be fake. It's going to be busted, but no, like this community, there are fakes out there, but this community takes it really seriously. But I'll tell you what, last thing I can tell you, we got to wrap up. I know we got to wrap yep. up, but you've got to ask me about the Apple watch.
0: Well, I kind of know you've always been skeptical of it and I am skeptical of it myself. I've been wearing one since they came out and like I barely tolerate it. Like it's finally getting goodish, but tell me <laughs> what are the, what are the things you like or dislike about the Apple Watch?
1: Well, thanks for asking, Matt. Um <laughs> I I really like what Apple is doing in this space. I like Apple as a company. I like the way that they're innovating in this space. Um They're the biggest watch manufacturer based on sales anywhere. They've eaten the lunch of everyone from Casio to Rolex and beyond. uh, And they're, they're making something that's pretty cool. It doesn't... I've owned two of them. I wound up giving one to my mom and I returned the second one a week or so after I got it. And I tried really hard to embrace it and use it and do a lot of things with it. Um, but it just didn't, it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. And a big part of why, um, is it like, I'm, I mentioned, I have this little Fitbit thing, which is like, uh, like 150, 130 bucks, something like that. And, you know, for something that I'm really just going to wear when I work out, when I go to the gym to track that kind of thing, I felt like that that's worth the experiment. But from what I got out of the Apple watch, I, I just like, for example, I don't really like a lot of notifications. I turn (laughs) off almost all my notifications. (laughs) So that, that's like most of what the first two or three generations of Apple watch was all about. Right. Second
0: screen for your phone notifications.
1: I, I, my vision I'm 45. Um, like I'm not going to spend a lot of time looking at a screen that small. I just, you know, maybe 20 years ago, but now no. um, So it wasn't like I was doing stuff on the watch and, uh, and you know, I like the aspect of the health stuff, but it's, I work out in the gym for an hour, moving heavy weights three times a week. And every other day of the week I'm rowing for 30 plus minutes hard in the morning. And, uh, and sometimes I do more than that in a day, it's not possible for me to spend more time. Uh, oh, and I, I spend more than half the day, usually two thirds of the day standing at a standing desk and walking around and moving around the office. I'm standing right now as I'm talking to you. Um, it, I couldn't move more. It's not possible for me to move more <laughs> and still do the job that I do in the day. I just I couldn't. So it's not, well, I didn't hit my step count. Well, I didn't have the perfect cer- I didn't complete my circle. Well, I'm not going to complete the circle. So what I found I was doing was I was just setting my goals to be what I did. I'm like, well, how's that a goal? And it's, it's like, I'm in the gym. I'm sweating like a pig in there, you know, deadlifting weights and squats and everything. It's, I'm not going to push myself harder. I'm already pushing myself as hard as I can possibly push myself without injuring myself. So it's like the health aspect of it. Well, don't forget to stand up, dude. Stop telling me that I've been standing for four hours and you didn't know it. So like, (laughs) You know, do I want an ECG? No, I want an EKG, but I don't. I don't want to do that because I'm like OCD, hypochondriac. I don't want to
0: yeah. check
1: my own heart function. That's just going to stress me out more. I don't want to know how many beats I'm per minute or whatever. It's going to whatever. So, like most of the benefits of the watch were lost on me. Um, last,
0: last night I got a a notification as I was going because I think I I stood up at 11 p.m. to uh-huh. go up to bed. Yeah, and it's and it showed me my rings really big. <clears throat> and it was like all oh, your rings are closed except the exercise one and it said and it's like barely barely started cuz all i did was walk from my desk to my car <laughs>
1: <laughs> and right. it said
0: said it's 11 p.m. if you just go and take a 25 minute walk you'll hit oh, yeah. your goal of Do 30 it. minutes a day Do and it. i was like oh yeah that's brilliant i'm ready to like fall onto the ground exhausted but oh, sure 11 p.m is a great time to go for a 25 minute out of 30 walk you know. uh, that was like real helpful watch
1: less than perfect AI, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, if, uh, this thing needs uh, the Apple watch needs to be half as thick, you know, it needs yeah. a battery that lasts for a week. Yeah. Um, I'll
1: tell this, you my biggest complaint about it. The screen needs to be on all the time.
0: Yes. The screen needs. Yeah. It's stupid. You have to do this exaggerated flick and it doesn't always fire. It fires about 75% of the time for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. Or if but you're see, at a weird here's angle, the thing. if I see you,
1: Matt, if I see you walking down the street, uh, uh-huh. I'm going to look, first thing I'm going to look at is what watches he wearing. (laughs)
0: That's how you judge people. That's
1: how, no, I'm not judging. I'm doing (laughs) it to see how good friends we're going to be. And if you're wearing, if you're wearing an Apple watch, here's what that says to me. First of all, it look. it looks like a dead iPhone. Mm -hmm. It looks like an iPhone that has lost its power. Except it's on your wrist. Why are you wearing a dead iPhone on your wrist? There's no, oh, well, look how I've customized these complications on the screen. And look how I've made, made it my own. No one can see that.
0: Have no one tried? can see it. <laughs> That's the wild thing. You can't even show your watch to other people. No. Because it auto flicks off when it That's goes right. away from you. That's yeah.
1: right. So, so like any, oh, I'm, this is my sense of individuality through this <laughs> customized screen that only I can see. So, you know, that to me, they've got to get, they've got to fix that. They've got to fix that. Uh, Also, you know, like you were talking about with the bikes and going back to like simpler times, I love looking at my watch and knowing what time it is, just at a glance, knowing the date, looking at the little date window. And I enjoy watching and this is stupid, but I enjoy watching that. Beautiful, smooth sweep of the second hand going around the dial. I love that. I love it. I, I think it's just such a cool thing. And there's there's none of that magic for me with, with the Apple Watch. Now, there's nothing wrong if you like the things that it does, the notifications, the, and I mean, the health stuff that it does is super valuable and knowing that, well, you know, like you hear about these stories, like, Oh, this person was in a car crash and they couldn't get to their phone, but they were able to use their watch to call help. Like, God, that's super important. And of course I want that. and I want my family to have that. But you know, right now, the way things are is um, it's just not, uh, not for me.
0: <laughs> it barely works for me. The only killer app for it is, uh, I can load 10 albums on it uh, in its whatever half gig of space and, right. and and listen on AirPods and go for a 5k run and leave my phone at home. That's the only thing that where it's like there's nothing else that comes close. That's amazing. But if Rolex, I know Rolex is ha- has, I mean, I was a friend owns a jewelry store and they sell Rolexes and he's shown me like, you know, there's a couple high-end watches that have some Bluetoothy weird, you know, they're trying to, eat computers into you know nice nice watches and they're kind of silly but um they're not bad (laughs) it's like i want you know a couple aspects out of this but i'd rather have a nicer looking watch you know that, that always works and always stays on doesn't need to be recharged nightly which is ridiculous so
1: do you do you have any automatic watches
0: Zero, Zilcho, I think I would never. I can't see myself crossing that bridge. I think I'd stick to quartz watches for life. Do you Um, have a
1: good quartz watch you like?
0: No, I used to. You know, I always wore sports watches for running. I mean, I always had ugly plasticky and metal watches Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the years. Um, I'm trying to think. I got a five-year anniversary. Was that wood, I think? It's five or ten. My wife gave me this ginormous Nixon, like, watch made out of wood that was like kind of over the top, kind of a uh, Guy Fieri kind of like,
1: like mm, Yeah, yeah,
0: they, they're, like a bro watch. Mixing watches
1: are very popular.
0: It was, uh, it weighed five pounds, you know, you'd feel it on your left arm when it was on. Uh, and I think I would wear that occasionally with a, you know, to a nice dinner or something. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever, uh, you know, I always, almost always wore digital watches and this is always because it was doing running crap and laughing right. and right. all that stuff. But yeah, I think I just can't, I can't, uh, I don't, I don't think I'm going to come around to ever winding a watch or wanting to, and wanting, and I kind of want something to just, you know, run and be dependable. But um, yeah, I think like the dive watches look really rad, like, you know, things with dials and. Metal watches look cool, you know, things you can sweat in and they don't get funky. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I could see myself having some, you know, $300 Seiko Divey watch that's, you know, quartz based probably someday. I could do that.
1: I think they make some of those. I know Citizen does.
0: <laughs> and then someday we'll all have Rolexes because that's where I'll end up. Now, if
1: you want if you want to get a Swiss watch... That from a, from a big time Swiss, uh, company Mm -hmm. that is quartz. You can do that. Oh, cool. Uh, Omega makes a quartz, um, Seamaster. I'm looking it up for you right now.
0: Omega Seamaster. Here it
1: is. I'm going to send you a link to it. Uh, where'd he go? Where's his Oh, that looks like
0: an old man watch.
1: (laughs) This is a great watch.
0: Some of these blue ones are cool.
1: Yeah, the blue the blue is the color to go. The one I sent you is just happens to be Ooh, a uh, one
0: has um, waves. This looks beautiful.
1: Yeah, that's a wave dial, they they call it. Um but they make a quartz version of that. Here's the main page for them. Uh so you can get yourself a Swiss quartz watch. Forty eight hundred dollars. Not bad, right? Sell one <laughs> oh, of your bikes. And, uh, and get a watch that you'll keep for the rest of your life and hand down to your kids. You just got to remember to swap in that battery every couple of years.
0: <laughs> the problem is bikes don't really appreciate in value, and these do, and cars sometimes do. Yeah, I got to pick a new hobby. Well, thanks, Dan. Thanks for uh, giving me the lowdown on how this, how this entire thing works. And, uh, uh, and I think I learned a lot today. <laughs> well,
1: I'm glad to be here. Anytime uh, you want to do something, let me know.
0: All right, I'll make fun of your watch next time I see you. Very good. Thanks a lot. Take care. The theme music for the show is Samaritan by The Long Winters on the album Putting the Days to Bed, and that's courtesy of Barsuk Records and John Roderick. This show is sponsored by Fireside.fm, uh, the best and easiest podcast host I've ever used. If you host a podcast, definitely check it out at fireside.fm. Thanks.